Hello and welcome back to Have You Seen It? I'm Maggie, and in this episode, I have a drama from Nigeria to tell you about. Are you ready? Let's go. It feels so good to be back. Hopefully you guys missed me as much as I missed you. There has been so much going on in the world since I last uploaded an episode, and I just want to say, first, happy Pride Month, and second, to everyone that has protested the murder of George Floyd and has brought attention to the Black Lives Matter movement. I am so proud of all of you. Keep going. Keep doing what you can. If you can't protest, then donate. If you can't donate, you can always sign petitions. There are still a ton of petitions that need our attention. I'm going to put a link to a website that you can go to if you want to help but don't know where to start on the Instagram and Twitter. They are both official HYSI as well as the Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash official HYSI. These protests brought much needed change and there has been a lot accomplished, but the fight isn't over. Every week, I'm going to mention a petition that still needs signatures and a link that you can follow to sign it. We can't stop talking about what's going on just because the mainstream media isn't covering it anymore. And if you want to counter anything I say with the whole all lives matter bullshit, I'm not going to engage because the reason that phrase is dumb has been explained a thousand times at a preschool comprehension level. And if you still don't get it, you never will. And since your ignorance is a choice, I'm choosing to not argue with you. This podcast is still new and I don't have a lot of listeners, but if I lose the ones that I do have because I say Black Lives Matter, then I'm okay with that. So before we get into this episode, the first petition is the one for Brianna Taylor, who was killed in her home by Louisville police three months ago. They were there to execute a no-knock warrant looking for a man who was already in custody at the time they entered her house. He also had zero connection to Brianna or her boyfriend, Kenneth Walker. Her boyfriend, thinking that the police who did not announce themselves in any way were robbers trying to break into their home, grabbed his gun and fired at them. The police returned fire, firing 22 total shots, hitting Brianna eight times while she was laying in her bed. On June 11th, Louisville, Kentucky banned no-knock warrants, naming the law Brianna's Law, and while the officers involved in her death have been placed on administrative leave, the only person that was arrested due to the events of that night was Brianna's boyfriend, Kenneth, and he was charged for attempted murder of an officer. The charges were dropped, and I believe that was because of the public outcry that he was arrested in the first place. Kentucky is a castle doctrine state, and they have a stand-your-ground law as well, meaning that a person has no duty to retreat if they are attacked in a place they have the right to be in, so for example, their own home, and if they reasonably believe it is necessary to use deadly force to protect themselves or others from death or great bodily harm, and or if a gun is used in self-defense, they have immunity from criminal or civil law. So the fact that he was arrested in the first place is insane, and the fact that they were allowed these types of warrants to be used in a state where the law states that a person can assume if someone is breaking into their house that that individual is there to cause them harm, they were asking for the situation to happen, and I would bet that there are people that have been shot, arrested, or killed due to similar situations. It is against the law 
for officers to not announce themselves before entering into private homes of American civilians, and if they had done so the night of March 13th, Brianna might still be alive. Not only should those officers be fired, they should be arrested for the murder of Brianna Taylor. The fact that they've passed a law in her name, but have made zero arrests, is ridiculous as far as I'm concerned. Someone needs to be held responsible for her death. Please follow the link on any of the platforms I just mentioned, Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, and sign the petition if you haven't already. The pressure we are applying has forced them to ban no-knock warrants in Louisville, but more needs to be done. Brianna Taylor deserves justice. She helped so many lives in her short time here, and we can't forget her. Black Lives Matter. Okay, so I am so excited to bring you guys today's show. Like I said at the very beginning, Crazy Lovely Cool is a drama from Nigeria. It is a Trace TV and the Nollywood Factory production. It was created by Ibuka Nojoku and created by Obi Elamoni. And he was also one of the main producers of the show. And from what I read online, he was the main force behind getting the show made. It is available on Netflix. There's only one season and it has 10 episodes. And the episodes are all about 50 minutes each. And it was released in 2019. The show was filmed on location in 2017 at University of Nigeria, Nasuka. Nigeria, for those that don't know, is an African country located in the western part of the continent. It is bordered by Benin to the west, Niger to the northwest and north, Chad to the northeast, and Cameroon to the east. To the south is the Gulf of Guinea. Some fun facts about Nigeria are there are more than 520 spoken languages. English is the official language, and the other three major languages are Hausa, Yoruba, and Igbo. But 520 spoken languages? That's insane to me. Lagos, which is the former capital of Nigeria, has the nickname of Africa's Big Apple. Nollywood, which is what their film industry is called, is the second largest film producers in the world behind only Bollywood. In Nigeria, it is widely believed that the left hand is unclean and using it is a sign of disrespect. And those that believe this will not eat, write, receive items, or even shake hands with their left hand. It is the seventh most populous country in the world with a population of more than 200 million people. And it is believed that it would be even higher if it was not for the high mortality rate and low life expectancy, which was 54.49 years in 2019. And uh, just comparison here in the U.S., life expectancy was 78.87 in 2019. So the last two fun facts that I have for you kind of are based on the same thing. The national animal of Nigeria is the eagle. Ours is the bald eagle, obviously. So we have that cool connection with them. And the last one is that their national soccer team is known as the Super Eagles. They speak primarily English in this show, but they also speak some pidgin. I will get more into that later. There's also a scene where they speak Yoruba, which is one of the major languages spoken that I mentioned earlier. There are no audio alternatives and subtitles are available in Brazilian Portuguese, French, Arabic, and closed caption English. And they do add subtitles for when they speak pidgin, just so that you know. The show is rated TVMA and the disclaimers that are given by Netflix are sex scenes and language. But I also want to add that there is a scene where one of the characters goes to a medical clinic to get an illegal abortion and we do see gauze with blood on it. I know that may be a trigger for some viewers so just keep that in mind. There are also some derogatory terms that are used in the show as well. 
The links to all the websites where I got the information for this show, the fun facts, and any other information that I did not use my memory for are going to be linked in the description of this episode as well as in the caption for the post that I made for the show on Instagram. So for this cast, there are quite a few people that I want to mention. There are a total of 14 characters that I'm going to talk about, which is a lot. Usually it's like six or seven, so 14 is quite a bit. But first, I'm going to go over the students. There are 12 of them, and I'll break that up even more into two groups of friends. The first being Fumi, who is played by Eresua Itomi Wellington, and she is one of the writers of the campus blogs, the CDC. She focuses more on events that are going on, like the upcoming election for student president, stuff like that. Next is Izu. He is played by Anina Nigui, and he is the founder of the CDC blog. He focuses more on the gossip that's going around the campus. He is dating Nana, who is another one of the writers of the CDC blog. She focuses on fashion. The three of them are the only ones that run the blog, but it's like they're supposed to be three equal partners in the blog. And she's played by Zanelza. Next is Boma. She is played by Chinoe Chidalue. She is a poet. We see her performing a lot of her poetry all over campus. She plays a big role in the show, but I don't want to get into how because it's a spoiler. Then we have Luciano. He is played by Emmanuel Luciano Imulu. He is a music artist who is an astronomy major. His claim to fame is that he had a song a year or two before the show starts that was a huge hit on campus. And he's trying to put out another song that's loved just as much as that one. He doesn't take school seriously at all, and he is dating Amara. She's played by Jennifer Kanu. She is a lot more serious about schoolwork and is probably the main thing keeping Luciano in school. He probably would miss every test if it wasn't for Amara. The next character, who is my favorite, if you're wondering, is Wisdom. He is played by Namadi Agbo. Wisdom is kind of the odd one out because, like, everyone else takes pretty much everything super seriously and wisdom doesn't i don't know if it's on purpose or if it's just like his personality but every time he's in a scene i just laugh he's goofy i think he's super funny he has a photographic memory so that definitely helps him along at different times but people don't really take him that seriously so that is kind of the character that he plays but personally he's my favorite the next one is Nakem. She is played by Charity Awoke. She is super religious, and at times Nana and Amara make fun of her because of how religious she is. She's dating a man named Matthew, who is played by Adamola Alo, and he is also super religious, but he's not a student at the college. We do see him quite a bit, but he isn't part of the main group of students that the show follows. And the last one I'll mention is Ubong. He's the radio host of the college radio station 91.1 Lionheart FM. He also helps Luciano out on his music career. Online, it says that he's part of the main cast, but I put him last because I didn't even know he was part of the friends group until several episodes in. He's in the episodes. I just thought he was like the radio host that like everybody knew. So I apologize, Ubong, but I didn't know you were part of the clique. But he is played by Lorenzo Menakaya. Now, there are three other students that I want to mention. Two of them are members of a secret fraternity, some people call them a cult. They are Capone, who's played by Cesar Millie, and Neo, who's played by Swanky, J.K.A. Atufusi. And the last student I want to mention is Effie. Now, I have searched so hard to find out what the name of this actor is, and I couldn't find it. I watched the credits for all the episodes. I read through all the names. He's not listed. Neither was Amara, but I was able to find her name through social media. 
So if you guys are able to figure out what this guy's name is, please let me know. I hate not being able to give him credit for the role that he plays in the show. I'm not going to tell you anything else about him. Just know that he plays a huge role in the show and the events that take place in it. And the last person I want to mention is Dr. Douglas. She is a professor in the astronomy department and is Luciano and Amara's professor. She's a hard-nosed, no-fun, business-only type of professor, and she's played by Uruiki. The description that Netflix gives is, For a group of charismatic undergraduates, the jolting revelations from a campus blog turn surviving university life into a serious matter. I really like this description because it's, it's vague and it needs to be vague. Because if it gave you too much else, it kind of ruins the rest of the show. So sometimes having a, a super vague description is actually good because it draws you in, I think, just enough that it doesn't ruin anything. I can also see how having a vague description can force people to like not get interested because there's nothing really part of that description that grabs your attention. But I promise you, if they gave you anything else, it would ruin it. So it's actually a pretty good description for the show. The show opens up bouncing around, showing all of the characters doing their own things for the most part. Boma is performing one of her poems outside of the school in front of a large group of students while Fumi is passing out or trying to pass out flyers for a blood drive to those students. Luciano's in the recording studio trying to record his new song with Ubong. Like I mentioned, Luciano is known around campus for a song that he released that ended up being a huge hit, and he's trying to reach that level again. And while he's recording the song, it just isn't working for him. And Ubong gets annoyed with him because he thinks that Luciano's song sounds great and he isn't happy that Luciano is wasting his time, but Luciano's just not feeling the song. And when Luciano ends up leaving the recording studio, he sees that Amara had called him, so he calls her back and she tells him about a test that if he misses, he'll most likely get kicked out of school. And because he most likely will miss it, he now starts panicking, trying to figure out if there's a way for him to be able to make up the test. And then we see Nana and Amara meet up and they're watching Fumi and Boma from a little bit of a distance. And Fumi is trying to talk the students into donating blood and how they can save lives by doing so and that their blood banks are deprived and they really need the people to donate some blood. And then one guy calls her a vampire and says that she wants to suck their blood. And I'm fairly certain that he is serious. Like, I don't think he's joking. And then when Fumi says no, that she won't be the one taking the blood, a girl asks how much they'll get paid for giving their blood because Fumi says all they need is five pints. And she says, well, how much? And Fumi's like, nothing, free. You are you don't get paid for doing this. This is something that you do freely. Which then, like, they're all like, ah, forget this. And they all walk away. Which makes Nana and Amara laugh. And they walk up to her and they give her a hug and try to comfort her. And then we see Wisdom. Uh, he is playing dice I think with a group of guys it definitely involves dice I just don't know what betting game it is it's a betting game I just don't know what it is but he's playing with a group of guys and it's not going his way he definitely has a gambling problem he owes one of the guys a lot of money and he's trying to win it back so that he can pay him off and so that he doesn't get beat up and like I said it's not going his way he loses and then in a last minute effort, he decides to bet a backpack. And then we see Izu in his room trying to work on the CDC blog and he's smoking a cigarette and he starts to cough and wheeze and he's looking around for something, searching his desk, the shelf next to his desk. And when he can't find what he's looking for, he calls Wisdom, 
who is still with those guys. They haven't rolled a dice again yet. But he asks Wisdom if he's seen his backpack because his inhaler is inside of it and he needs it. And Wisdom tells him that he borrowed it and he'll bring it back to him soon. Now, in the meantime, while Izu was looking for his inhaler, he accidentally knocked over the ashtray and the cigarette fell onto some papers and it starts to smoke, making it harder for him to breathe. He also has a bad knee that he hurt in the gym, so moving around is kind of difficult for him. He's definitely struggling, keeping his balance already hard enough, and he ends up collapsing on the ground and then the papers catch fire. Now, I'm not going to tell you what happens next with Izu, because that's a spoiler, and what fun is that? I'm also not going to tell you what happens to Wisdom, because that adds to the storyline of what happens to Izu. So I'm going to jump next to when we meet Nikem, who we don't meet until about 20 minutes into the episode. And we first meet her while she's talking to Boma about Boma promising to join her somewhere. And Boma notices that Nakem is wearing an engagement ring and she's super happy for her. And then Matthew comes up and the whole atmosphere changes. He just has this vibe about him. And when you watch the show, you'll know what I mean. He is mad that she is talking to Boma, even though she is her roommate. And he says something about her wasting his time whenever he comes to visit her. And he rudely tells her to shut up when she suggests that they have their wedding in a garden like Adam and Eve. And then he apologizes and says he doesn't have the money for a wedding like that or something. And Akem tells him about a pageant that she was thinking of taking part of, the Miss Intelligentsia pageant. And she wants to do it so that she can win some money for the wedding. And he laughs at her. And he basically forbids her from participating. Even though she says this isn't like all the other pageants. You don't have to wear a bikini or anything like that this is for people that have a high gpa and he still basically sells her no it's safe to say that he is one of my least favorite people in this show but the entire first episode sets up the rest of the show i'm also not going to tell you how we meet capone or neo because again you have to discover all that on your own but what i just went over is only like the first 15 minutes if you want to know what happens to Izu and Wisdom and everything else that happens in the episode, you're just going to have to watch the show. But there is a lot that happens in the season. Like I said, all of those characters have their own different storylines. We see Wisdom trying to figure out exactly what major he wants to stick with. Luciano deals with his music career and he has to choose if he wants to pursue that or stay at school. Fumi gets involved with the student body elections. Amara spends most of the show trying to get Luciano to take schooling seriously. Nakem has to deal with Matthew and figuring out if she wants to do that pageant or if she wants to do what Matthew is telling her to do. And with all of this stuff going on, one major event on campus impacts them all. The group is is basically formed because they are roommates. They're very different from each other. When you watch the show, you'll see how different they actually are. But they are a group of friends because Amara is dating Luciano, who's roommates with Izu, who's dating Nana. And then... Wisdom is roommates with Luciano and Izu, and the girls, well, I don't really know who's roommates with who. At the very first episode, I would have said the room belonged to Fumi, Boma, and Nakem. After that, there were episodes that it was Amara sleeping in that third bed, there were episodes that Nana was sleeping in the third bed. I really truly don't know what room assignment the girls have, 
but they are roommates. That's how they're friends with one another. There are other students that are involved, but this is the main group of students that you see. But like I said, if I went into any further detail about the show, it'd be ruining some stuff. And we all know that I don't like that. It might be a new season, but I'm still not going to give you any spoilers. So let's move on. For my likes and dislikes, I loved this show. I loved all the different storylines that I just talked about that happen and how they're all intertwined. Not just because they're all friends, obviously things that happen in your friends' lives affect you in one way or another, but the fact that the different events actually impact each other. So while one thing is happening in one person's life, it is affecting other people in the group the same way the things that are happening to the other people in the groups are affecting other people's lives. So it's not just like one character's off doing some crazy thing and all of the other friends are like, oh, so how was your weekend? Oh, you know, nothing bad happened. Like, no, like that crazy thing affects the friends because that's re real life, right? I loved the music that was in the show. I am so mad that I couldn't find the songs anywhere online. I shazammed almost every single song and nothing came back. The only artist I was able to find was Seiza Millie, who plays Capone. I found some of his songs on Apple Music, but none of them are the songs from this actual show. If you somehow figure out a way to find those songs, please let me know because I really do like them. I also love that they show Bulma doing her poetry several times and a lot of the poetry that she does is very powerful, it's very deep, it's very emotional and it's just amazing. There were a lot of layers to this show, some that I haven't mentioned because I can't mention and I loved every single one of the layers. Please watch this show, it's so good. That being said, for my dislikes, there were some actors that were really, really bad. Like, painfully bad at times. I personally don't think it took anything away from the show as a whole, but it did make watching the scenes that she was in really hard to watch at times. Like, really hard. To the point where I had to pause a couple times and just be like, okay, Maggie. She's, she's going to be gone in a few seconds. Just let's just keep push through. But after a while, I just started to ignore her, if I'm being honest. So I'm sure you can do that as well. Like I said, it doesn't take anything away from the show. I still love the show, but it, God, it's bad. Really bad. I also wasn't a fan of the fact that you could tell that some of the people that were singing were lip syncing. It was super obvious at times. Like it didn't match at all. Like they're supposed to be performing on a stage. And it just, just just doesn't match. And that just drove me crazy. Another thing that drove me crazy, and this is me being just super picky, but it's the way Izu used his inhaler. It drove me insane. If you use an inhaler like I do, it will probably bother you as well. Because to me, I just kept watching. I'm like, you're just, you're wasting that inhaler. I think an inhaler is one of the easiest things you can fake. And it's just, it's, it drove me mad. But like I said, that's just me really being picky. Overall, loved the show. I don't think I could say that enough. I loved this show. The things that stood out to me were mostly the jerseys that I saw. So Wisdom at one point was wearing a green Red Sox jersey with the number 28. For those that don't know, the green jersey is for St. Patrick's Day. It was first worn in honor of Red Arbok, who passed away the year before they wore it for the first time. And the show was filmed in 2017. The player that was wearing that number then was Robbie Ross. And no offense to Robbie Ross, but I doubt he was wearing a Robbie Ross jersey. 
So I'm going to say that it was probably an Adrian Gonzalez jersey. I'm sure none of you care, but since there's no last name on the jersey because it was a home jersey, it drove me crazy. But later in the show, he's also wearing a Montreal Canadiens jersey, and they are our number one rival in hockey, so I wasn't happy about that. Boma wears what I think is a Chicago White Sox jersey at one point. There's a LeBron James Miami Heat jersey, and in the same shot, there's another jersey that looks like it might be an Orlando Magic jersey, but I couldn't tell what player. One of the students wears a University of Michigan shirt with the number 04 on it. I think that's the year. I'm not sure. Another student wears a Kansas City Royals shirt, and the last sports-related apparel I saw was a Cleveland baseball hat. As far as other shirts that I noticed was that there was a guy that wore a Brooklyn shirt. One of the students was wearing a One Direction concert tee. First episode, you should see it. And Neo wears an Arizona sweatshirt. Also, Luciano wears a hat that has an American flag on it for the majority of the show. As far as other things that stood out, one of the songs that is sung in the show mentions Jon Snow from Game of Thrones. And while the ending of that show makes me angry, still hearing some of the characters' names makes me happy. And before I talk about some of the differences that I noticed, there is a song that's played towards the end of the season that has part of the speech at the end of the movie accepted in it. I was watching the scene, which is serious and sad and very intense, and all of a sudden I was like, wait a minute, I've heard this speech before. And then like, I listened more and I was like, no, I know exactly where I've heard this speech before. And I just thought it was funny because of all the movies with inspiring quotes to use, they use that one. It was kind of fitting, but also, like I said, funny. Because if you've ever seen the movie Accepted, it's not a very serious movie. Now, like I mentioned, there were some differences that stood out to me. The first one was the fact that they do their laundry outside and they hang it out on clothing lines. But the lines aren't like individual personal clothing lines. Like these are mine. They're community clothing lines, I guess is the best way to describe it. Like some of them do hang their stuff outside of their rooms. But for the most part, there's an area that is just clothing line that they can hang their clothes from. And we have clothing lines here in the U.S. I've hung clothes outside myself, but it was seeing it at a college and the fact that they all hung their clothes together that stood out to me. We have washers and dryers that we have to share, but you don't put your clothes in with other people's clothes. So that just was different. And also culturally, we don't wash our clothes outside. If we don't have a washer or dryer or they're broken, we go to laundromats and wash them there. I'm not saying there aren't people that wash their clothes like that in this country. I'm sure there are, but culturally we don't. So that was a cultural difference that stood out. Another difference was that they wore traditional Nigerian clothes at times. Obviously, we don't have American traditional clothes unless you count baseball caps, which I don't. But seeing that cultural difference was cool. The one that I'm going to talk about for the show is called Dashiki. Now, I have seen people wear these before, so it wasn't the fact that it was completely new to me, but more so the fact that so many of them were wearing them and also the different variations that were worn. Like I said, we don't have traditional clothing, and I mean that in a sense of national garment. So seeing that is cool. I don't care. It's cool. So for those that don't know what dashikis are, I am sure you've seen them. They are worn here in the U.S. most often during Black History Month or during Kwanzaa and has completely different meaning here in the States than it does in Africa, which I will get to in a minute. But a dashiki is a very colorful shirt that comes down to thigh length. It has a V-like cut in the neck. It's worn in many African countries because of the hot weather. It's a lightweight material, so it's comfortable to wear year-round. 
The word dashiki comes from the Yoruba word for shirt, danshiki. I believe I said that right. There are a couple different versions of the dashiki. The most common, which is the informal way, is just wearing the thigh length shirt. And most of the time they are short sleeved as well. I don't think it's very often you see a long sleeved version. There are also three formal ways, and they are a dashiki suit, which is what most grooms wear during wedding ceremonies. And it consists of the shirt matched with sokoto, which are drawstring trousers. The second version is called a Sengalese kaftan, and it's an ankle length shirt with matching sokoto. The last one is called an agbara, and again, it consists of the dashiki top and sokoto, but it has a flowing gown that's worn over them, and it's also called a grand bobo. The formal versions can be worn at weddings, funerals, religious gatherings, and holidays. For weddings, it's tradition to wear gray or sometimes white, but the most common non-traditional colors worn are blue and purple. Blue is the color of love, peace, and harmony, and purple is the color of African royalty. And for funerals, the traditional colors are black and red. I also want to note that a matching kufi, which is a brimless, short, rounded hat, is added to these looks mostly by Muslims, not always by Muslims, but traditionally those are worn by Muslims. The agbada itself is designed to adhere to the rules of Islam when it comes to covering oneself. Traditionally, it was only worn by Muslims, but that has changed with the increase of trade over time, first being worn by the chiefs of the Yoruba in Nigeria, the Dagomba of Ghana, the Mendika of the Gambia, the Susu of Guinea, and the Temnus of Sierra Leone. But today it is worn by a wide range of people and is even worn by some Bantu people in East, Southern, and Central Africa. You will see three of the four different versions worn in the show. I'm not 100% sure about the Agbada. I don't remember, so I apologize. But the dashiki shirt, just the top, can be worn by both men and women. I also want to say it's not just for men. Izu wears one, for example, but you'll see a lot of the students that are just walking around wearing them. The dashiki suit is worn by a character called Dubim. It's a bright purple vibrant outfit. You'll see it. Can't miss it. The Sengalese Kaftan is worn by a character called Hassan at one point. So you do see that those three different types of variations. The Sengalese Kaftan, don't forget, is the one that goes down to the ankle. The suit is the Sokoto pants with the dashiki top and then just the dashiki top. So you do see all three of them. Here in the U.S., the dashiki became popular during the civil rights movement in the 60s. It was worn as a way to protest the disrespect for African-Americans and was often worn in situations where a coat and tie would normally be worn. It went against everything men's fashion was about at the time. The bright colors stood out in contrast to the gray and black suits. It was loose instead of tight and it was worn outside of the pants, not tucked in. It was a symbol that meant black is beautiful and a return to African roots. Like I said, it is still worn today, but the meaning behind it being worn here is different than the purpose of the clothing in Africa. There, it's a way to survive the heat, and here, it's a symbol of African pride. If you guys noticed any other cultural differences, please let me know. Also, if anything else stood out to you guys, if I missed any sports shirts, if I missed any other concert shirts, then let me know as well. The next section is words and phrases. But before I tell you the ones that I picked up while watching the show, I mentioned earlier that they speak something that is called pigeon. So the show just calls it pigeon, but I didn't explain what that means exactly. So during the fun facts part, I told you there are more than 520 spoken languages in Nigeria, and a lot of them are not similar at all, which means that they need a bridge language, which is what pigeon is. The variation that they speak in the show is most likely Nigerian pigeon, 
It is sometimes spelled P-I-J-I-N and not P-I-D-G-I-N. And it is also known as broken Nigerian Creole or Nyaja. It is spoken as a pidgin, a Creole, or slang by most speakers in Nigeria, as well as in a few other Western and Central African countries. Now, I'm not going to lie. I didn't know what any of that meant while watching the show. I just thought pidgin was the name of the language that they spoke, like English or Spanish or French, and not that it was a description of a language. So let me explain what it means, because like I said, I'd never heard of a pidgin language before. So I'm going to guess that at least one other person has never heard of it either. And I have no problem admitting that I've never heard it. I have heard of Creole before, but again, I just thought it was the language spoken in Haiti and not that it was a description of a language. You can make fun of me all you want, but now I know. The definition of a pidgin language given by dictionary.com is... An auxiliary language that has come into existence through the attempts by the speakers of two different languages to communicate and that is primarily a simplified form of one of the languages with a reduced vocabulary, a grammatical structure, and considerable variation in pronunciation. Or the loose definition, any simplified or broken form of a language, especially when used for communication between speakers of different languages. So pidgin languages are often used in trade ports, and there are at least 50 different types of pidgin, not including all of the English-based pidgins. There's like 25 of those. And most pidgin languages are spoken only, so there is no written form of the language. When it comes to a Creole language, there is no Creole language without a pidgin language. There are three main differences between pidgin languages and Creole languages, and they are one, a Creole language has its own grammar system in place, Two, the majority of the words spoken in the language are the same everywhere the language is spoken, so a common vocabulary. And three, it is the native language of the community. So a pidgin language graduates into a Creole language. So that is what a pidgin language is. So it's it's all of these languages put together with English being the base. So when you watch this show, they will put subtitles up for when they're speaking pidgin. But there will be times when you basically understand what they're saying anyways, because like I said, Nigerian Pidgin is an English-based language. So, for example, in one of the scenes, Luciano says to Wisdom, your head no correcto. Also, I'm not going to do a Nigerian accent, so don't hold your breath for one, okay? But your head no correcto is translated in the show as you know you're sick in the head, which like, even if you don't speak Nigerian Pidgin, if someone looked came up to you and said, your head no correcto, you basically know what they mean, right? Like, it's technically another language, but you know exactly what they're talking about when they say that, which is why it is a bridge language, which I personally think is cool. So some other examples that I picked up while watching the show that you will probably understand as well are I know no, which means I don't know, and it's spelled I space N-O space N-O, I know no, and how you day, which is spelled H-O-W space Y-O-U space D-E-Y. And that means, how are you doing today? So, how you day? Again, I think you can figure that out if you speak English. The last phrase is, how far now? Means, what's up? Well, how far means what's up. The now is added for emphasis. Like, you haven't seen somebody in a while, so like, what's up? More like that. But how for now is spelled H-O-W space F-A-R space N-A-W. So how far 
now. How for now? What's up? The word for please in Nigerian pidgin is abeg, A-B-E-G, which again makes sense because we often say I'm begging you, please, abeg. The one word that I picked up that doesn't sound like English is the word abi, and it's said as a question, and the show translates it as you reckon, but online it says that it means is it or is it true, and that does make sense when you watch the scene where that is said, it does make sense, but the translate it is translated as you reckon. Now, there was also some slang that I picked up. Like, for example, they use the word ma instead of ma'am a lot of the time. They do say ma'am, but it's usually just ma. So when talking to the professor, for example, they say, like, excuse me, ma, instead of excuse me, ma'am. They also said the phrase, you take heart, which I think means you take care. And then some terminology differences were that they call flashlights torches, which if you know British English, you know that's what they call them in Britain. So it makes sense. That's what they call flashlights in Nigeria because, you know, colonization. The last thing is that they called the dorms hostels, which stood out right away for me because I just hostels to me means something completely different and dormitories makes more sense in my American brain than a hostel. But that's what they call them. They call them hostels. I know this part was a lot, but if you guys ever go to Nigeria, you now know how to say how are you and what's up, which is always useful. If you guys pick up any other words and phrases that stood out to you while watching the show, then please let me know on Twitter. The only actor I was able to recognize from this show was Swanky JKA, and it's from a film that's on Netflix called Living in Bondage, Breaking Free. Admittedly, I haven't watched it yet, but while I was looking for movies to watch one day, it came I came across it. And it caught my attention enough that I sat there and I read it and like looked at it and everything like that. So when I saw him in this show, it was annoying that I couldn't figure out why I knew him. And then I was going over the list of movies that I have written down. And I remember that he was in that movie. I didn't watch it then because I was looking for a good rom-com to watch. It is a thriller. So if you like those kinds of movies, definitely check it out. He was the only one that I recognized. And like I said, it's not even from something I've actually watched. It's something that I stumbled upon. If you guys recognize anyone, then let me know on Twitter. As always, Twitter is the place to let me know about everything, really. As far as if there will be another season of this show, I honestly have no idea. This show was filmed back in 2017 and was released on Netflix last year. The show, the way the show ends, it seems like they were setting up for a second season because I don't know why they would end it the way that they did and just leave it. Because it was like a, oh my god, moment. I hope they have a second season. I could see them maybe having some new actors at the same school dealing with what happens at the end of the first season. Because I know that those actors are now older. I don't know if they could pull off playing college students. Who knows? In Hollywood, you have like 29-year-olds playing 16-year-olds. And if you don't believe me, look up Jackson from Hannah Montana. Because he was supposed to be 16. That actor was 29. So who knows? I hope they do do a second season, like I said. I loved this show, and I need to know the aftermaths and the effects of what happened at the end of season one, because what the hell? How do you end it like that and not come back for a second season? I hope you guys give the show a chance. It was really, really good. And I look forward to hearing what you guys thought about it. If you do watch it, let me know what your opinion is on, you guessed it, Twitter. As always, you can follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at OfficialHYSI, as well as Facebook at Facebook.com slash OfficialHYSI. Again, before I go, I just want to say that I hope you're all staying safe. 
COVID-19 isn't going away anytime soon, so please wash your hands, wear a mask, and practice social distancing when possible. If you're going to the protests that are happening all over the world, again, I am so proud of you. Keep fighting for what is right. Stay safe. Black Lives Matter. Next episode, I will be talking about the comedy Almost Happy from Argentina. Have you seen it? Because I have.